live from the Parent Nation studios, it's Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents, shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. Yeah, well, I got a newsflash for you, folks. The problem with kids is parents. Excuse me, Sheryl Sandberg, but I'm not leaning in anymore. I'm sick of spilling my martini. (laughs) I'm serious. It's time to put the F word back in parenting. Fun parenting. Oh my gosh, why can't we do this? Why can't we have dance parties in our kitchens? I don't understand. And now, here's your host, Tara Kennedy Klein. (laughs) Hey, Parent Nation. (laughs) Welcome to the show. Oh my gosh! You guys probably have no idea what we have, uh, we what have I'm too, laughing. We have too much fun around here. <laughs> it's gonna be a good day. <laughs> so yeah, the hazards of having uh, cats in the studio. My uh, yeah. So anyway, my cat decided to jump up on my uh, on my table, like right in front of the microphone and then totally wiped out into a whole bunch of paperwork and that was funny to me oh man that made me laugh (laughs) that made me laugh and then there would be the people that would be like that's not funny (laughs) he could have hurt himself like did you ever watch those videos like those silly cat videos where the Uh cats like they get scared and then they run off the bed and into the wall and then get stuck in the blinds yes (laughs) (laughs) Those videos crack me up unbelievably simply because I know how stupid my cats are, right? So <laughs> it's it's insane. And um but there are so many people that get really really offended. Right. They're, you know, they get like really upset by that stuff and they're like, right. "Oh, the cat is going to get hurt." And I'm like, "No, the cat wasn't hurt." And then there's the pe- then there's the people say, "No, I have to pick up all these papers." Right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm looking at right now. I'm like, thank God you didn't spill my coffee or there will be, <laughs> this would, this would be a real problem for you, cat. <sighs> Perspective, Kelly. Yes. It's crazy, right? That's what we're talking about today. It's been hitting me. I don't know if it's the, the classes that I'm taking um, I don't know what it is, but perspective has been smacking me in the face like a ton of bricks lately. Wow. But in a good way. I think I'm learning how to um, calm myself. I'm learning how to be more resilient because I'm focused on perspectives. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I just had a really good class last night. It's, it's awesome. It's a group of people. We get together, you know, on the computer and we can see each other. Um, and, and then we like pair up and we talk about stuff and, you know, like when you're going through a training, it's experiential, you know, like you, you learn by doing, which is how we should learn everything, not by taking tests. Imagine, you know, that's a funny perspective, Kelly. (laughs) Imagine I'm going for a, a higher education certification, right? In a subject that I want to master, I haven't had one damn test yet. Wow. That sounds so not like school or sounds college. Sounds so not like school or college. 
Yeah. What are we doing, Kelly? It's We're crazy. testing our kids to death. We are. We're testing them right into stupidity and ignorance is what we're doing. Right. It's crazy. It's crazy. My kids will come home and will want to talk about The Great Gatsby or a book that they're reading. And they're like, you know what? I really don't need to. I don't want to talk about it. I just need to study these questions because I have a test on it. Oh, that sucks. That's a bad idea. Yeah, I don't like it. I think that we need to, I think that um, teachers need to stand up with parents more. I think that we've started fighting each other too much because parents make this a teacher problem instead of a, a, a state and federal mandate problem, you know? Right. The teachers are just doing what they're told to do. Exactly. And then teachers kind of have this. Um, teachers, a lot of teachers have developed this, um, anti-parent stance because, <laughs> you know, parents want to blame them for everything and blah, blah, blah. I think if we were a team, um, that would probably be cool. Cause then we could get a lot more shit done. That's so true. But how could we make that happen? We've got so many teachers against the parents. Yeah. I don't think we need teachers against parents anymore. I think that's a bad thing. (laughs) I think we need to be a team. I like IEP teams. I know a lot of people are afraid of them. Uh You have to deal with them. I like them because it's collaborative. It's all in how you look at it. It's perspective, baby. It's perspective. If you look at that IEP meeting, like if you manifest your own bullshit, which so many of us do on a daily basis, And you keep telling yourself, I'm going to walk into this meeting and it's going to suck and everybody's going to be telling me everything that's wrong with my kid. Mm -hmm. Then guess what's going to happen? The lens that you see that meeting through, no matter what's actually happening, the lens that you're going to see that meeting through is going to be one of everybody's against me and they're all talking shit on my kid. Oh, yeah. Right? But if you change your perspective, if you change your lens... And you go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send an email out in advance because I know everybody that's going to be there. I'm going to send an email out in advance and it's going to say, guys, for the benefit of the team, I, myself included, we all need to bring three positive things that we want to talk about in relation to um, the, my kid, um, my, my kid's progress, something that I'm doing well as a parent, something that you feel like you did well as a teacher that worked. We each need to come to the meeting with three positive things to talk about. I like that. I do too. And then when you walk into the meeting, you're going to see what you want to see. You're going to see positive things because that's what you led with. That's the filter that you're seeing the meeting through. It's, you know, I had, my sister had her baby last week. Yay. So I'm Auntie Tara now. I'm so excited. Isn't that fun? It is so fun. It is so fun. And you know what, Kelly? My perspective almost effed up the entire thing. Really? Why? Because I, um, I was on my way to another meeting and, you know, my sister had asked me to be in the delivery room with her. Mm-hmm. And I was excited about that. 
Um, but then I got news that the um, the mother-in-law was also going to be there. Uh-huh. And I got my backup, you know. Oh, sure. We've talked about this on other shows. I Your got my backup. Yeah, I was I was defensive. I wanted this to be my moment. She has other grandchildren. I do not. I know I'm not the grandmother, but shut up. I'm close enough. <laughs> but I wanted this to be my moment. Um, and then I had to, you know, I had to take a step back. And I had to look at it. I had to stop looking at it from my sister. This is my sister. And start seeing my brother-in-law as if he were my son. Oh. Whoa. Tell me, that doesn't change your lens. That's interesting. Exactly. And this is his first baby, too. Aw. Right? So, you know, I, I, I had to look at it like that. So I was okay. I was fine. I'm like, it, it will be what it will be. And this day is all about my sister. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with her. This is all about my sister and her baby and her, her, her hubby. And that's all that matters. So, um, then I got the text message. We're going in for an emergency C-section. Get to the hospital right now. Goodness. Yeah. And then my whole perspective changed. Then I went to devastation, you know, I I went right immediately to negative mode. You know, oh, my God, this is going to be terrible. What's going on? Something bad is happening, right? Something bad is going to happen. So I allowed worry and fear to alter my perspective of the situation. I know I have I know thousands of women who had emergency C-sections, quite literally thousands of women. Mm -hmm. And I did. Right. And your babies turned out okay. Yeah. You know, it's precautionary. It's something that's available to keep you all safe. Why in the hell wouldn't you use it? Right. Right. So I couldn't be there for the birth, but then again, neither could (laughs) (laughs) mother-in-law. All's fair. All's fair. So I walked in and, and, and she was sitting in the waiting room and I'm already pissed off because they won't let me in the room. You know, I'm kicking rocks outside the delivery room <laughs> and, um, you know, cause they won't let me in. Damn it. And, um, and then I walked into the delivery room and she was sitting there. So I had to give myself a moment. I had to compose myself and I had to go back to, you know, I had to talk myself out of my stupidity. I had to talk myself out of my perspective and into a new one. And, you know, I, I had to say things to myself like, why in the hell wouldn't she be here? <laughs> you know, she is the grandmama, she is the grandmama. Why wouldn't she be here? Damn it. And then well, um, why did she beat me here? Yes. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Those, really? Really, <laughs> Kelly? You were in my head, ain't uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. Damn it. She I beat me the here. whole way here. I sped the whole way here and I was, I wasn't even home. I was closer than if I had been at home. Oh, and she could have been too. So, right. Exactly. Exactly. So it's just, you know, it's the silly shit that we allowed. It's, it's our mind chatter, right? It's the silly conversations that we allow to go on in our head that alter our perception of what's actually happening. And we have to change it. We have to stop doing that to ourselves, you know, because what I wound up doing was, you know, I, I, so, so I saw this woman sitting there and I, and she beat me there. Damn it. She'd been there longer than me. She's more committed. Clearly. (laughs) She's 
She's in line before you. Yep, she's in line to go in before me. To the, so she went to the bathroom and doesn't my brother-in-law call and say, hey, I'm coming out to get you. And I'm like, yes, she's in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It was like oh this, my gosh. It was like this devious little fight that I was having with the, my own bully in my own head. So she came out and I'm like, He's, they're coming to get us. They're coming to get us, you know? And so we went into the room and... It, my sister was a zombie because she was still under anesthesia. Not, not, not really, but she was talking stupid, you know. Sure. And like she couldn't really communicate, and and baby daddy's all nervous, and you know, like he's afraid he's going to break the baby, and so it was a, the perfect opportunity for both of us to step in with our equal knowledge in different areas and serve. You know, it didn't take anything away from me. It didn't take anything away from her. And it certainly didn't take anything away from my sister because she was too doped up to know what the hell was going on anyway. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, and it was like, just get out of your own head. And so what could have happened was I could have lost that entire day with my sister. I could have lost that entire moment to being bitchy. You know, right. And and being pouty because, you know, I was looking at things through a really negative lens and I would have manifested my own complaints. Right. And then it makes everyone else feel uncomfortable. Exactly. So, you know, things are happening in a way that I don't necessarily agree with or that I wouldn't choose for myself. But then I have to step back and, and say, okay, so for instance, she's, she's staying at their house with them right now. Okay. And I'm like, oh, come on, you live 15 minutes away. You don't need to sleep at their house, you know? And then I had to go, what is, what is my belief around this? What's making me so angry about this scenario? The fact that I'm not sleeping there. The fact that I'm not the one who's taking care of everything. But the truth is, I can't. I couldn't if I wanted to. I don't have the time. I, you know, I had track meets and band practices and everything else to shuttle my own kids to. Right. Sleep over at my sister's house. She has the time and the ability to do it. God bless her. Let her go. Right. Let her do it. You know, because what happens in your head, Kelly, when something like that happens? You want to take care of it. First in line. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so where does your brain go 30 years down the road? You know, when I'm the old cat lady and my niece doesn't even know my name. <laughs> oh, come on. You're not going to let that happen. So why do you even let yourself go there? I think that our perspective, the way we look at things, the way we see things, we don't take a deep breath and see things from the other realistic point of view. And then we worry ourselves into complaints that don't need to be there. Mm-hmm. But if you think about it, in the long run, she's actually helping you out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. You your stuff to do. You Damn. can't be there full time. Mm-hmm. So now I get to go, you know what? I'm not coming over if she's there. I'll come over on a day she's not there. Whew. Freeze up my schedule. <laughs> That's not really true, though. You know, I'd be there every freaking day. But I can't, to your point. You know? It's weird. It's it's like when... 
So we all, everybody has a cell phone these days. 15 years ago, we didn't. Nope. 15 years ago, we didn't have cell phones. Nope. But when you call your husband or when you call your kid on their cell phone and they don't answer it, you start creating scenarios in your head. And then I know people who will become livid. They will start to have a conversation that goes something like this. You know what? When he calls me back, he's going to say blah, blah, blah. And then I'm going to say blah, blah, blah. And then he's going to say this. And I'm going to say that. And you know what? And I'm right. Mm-hmm. And damn it. And why, why, am I even, why am I even paying for this phone if you're not going to answer it? Exactly. And we go through, we create an argument, don't we? We have an entire argument in our mind, fictitious argument in our mind. And then by the time the person calls us, they go, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I left my phone in the car. I didn't even know you called. I know I was supposed to call you. I'm really, really sorry, but I was buying you flowers. Do you ever, do you ever, when you don't answer your phone, when someone calls, think of, oh, what am I going to tell them? Because I didn't answer the phone. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, like, you don't have to answer the phone. Right. Just because the phone rings doesn't mean you have to answer it. Just because someone's trying to start an argument with you doesn't mean you have to participate. Yes. Yeah. We can, we can, our, you know, we can take a step back and look at it from... I'm going to challenge Parent Nation for the rest of today. When you feel yourself getting worried or angry about something, say to yourself, stop. I'm going to look at this from the completely opposite point of view. That's what I'm going to do all day long. I'm going to put myself 100% in that person's shoes in a positive way and change my perspective on this argument. That's what I'm going to do. That's my challenge to all of you. I like it. I like it too. So, oh, we're going to have to go to break, but when we come back, it's exciting. I'm really excited because we're going to be talking to Dr. Christabel Llewellyn. She has a beautiful, fun name to say. I bet she can make Mm -hmm. a song out of it. And she's going to talk to us about kinder jazz and which I love because I love kids. When kids get to play freely with music, it brings out something in them that no, no lesson or test can teach. So I'm excited to talk to her when we come back from this break. And uh, yeah, we're going to go there right now. So stay tuned, everybody. Taking a cocktail break, and we're taking care of business with a word from these sponsors. Homeschooling? Half questions? Get your pen and paper ready. It's the sociable homeschooler, Vivian McNinney. Fridays at 5, 4 central on toginet.com. After a handsome blue-eyed Texan fell in love with Vivian at the Victoria Station in London, she found herself at DFW Airport with a tiny suitcase and a snazzy little duffel bag. Well, 25 years later, she is now happily married to that blue-eyed cowboy. They have four grown children, ages 24 to 18, who became willing guinea pigs when she unwittingly stumbled upon the world of homeschooling. Wildflower Academy flourished for 15 years. They survived and thrived, and you can too. Vivian will be covering a wide range of issues that face homeschoolers. What do you do with kids in the summer? How to set up your one-room schoolhouse? How obedience is paramount? And what to do with those snakes? Plus, she'll be sharing ideas and insights that she gleaned from other homeschoolers. So join us for an engaging hour with a sociable homeschooler. Vivian McNinney, Friday afternoons at 5, 4 Central on toginet.com. particular food item that you absolutely crave to the point of madness then you're an opsomaniac like me 
I love avocados, for instance. Probably because avocados have more protein, fat, and calories than any other fruit. Some folks are afraid of the avocado, nicknaming it the alligator pear for slippery and yucky. What's a word for the fear of food? Sitiophobia. Talk about yummy snacks, let's not forget potato chips. A pound of potato chips costs 200 times more than a pound of potatoes, or tater tatties as Aussies call them. The slang word spud derives from the spade-like tool used to dig them out. What's another word for mashed potatoes? Pachi pachi. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? It's <laughs> time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation. Welcome back to the show. I am super, super excited for our show today because we just have some awesome, two really awesome guests. And our first guest is Dr. Christabel Llewellyn. And she is, well, fun fact, she's actually in Sydney, Australia right now where it is three o'clock in the morning. Seriously? <laughs> but the thing that I, the reason that I really wanted her on the show, I'm, I'm a music nut. I believe that children learn so much by creating and experimenting and playing with music. And one of my favorite um, genres of music is jazz. I am a New Orleans girl, not at, at heart, not by geography, Um and so jazz has always intrigued me. And so she started in 2012, she started um, this, well, uh, no, actually, you were the Australian person of the year in 2012. You actually started this um, group in 1998. Is that correct? This kinder jazz yes. group? Yes. Yes. So you've performed at the Sydney um, Opera House, you've, at, at Daring Harbor, you've performed on TV shows for billions, literally billions of people, and your music is designed to help educate children, but it also includes the entire family, which I absolutely adore because older generations are getting involved in this as well. So I'm. thank you so much for joining us and for getting up to join us today, Dr. Christabel. How are you? <laughs> thank you. I'm very well. It's great. So you have a you have a new album out, correct? Yes. Teddy Bear's Picnic. Teddy Bear's Picnic. So how you started this in 1998. That's Actually, is that correct? Uh, yeah, way back in in 1997. So we've been going a long time. That's I mean and that was we weren't as involved with teaching kids the way we do today. We weren't as involved in um, these kind of children's musical programs and stuff like that. They were just kind of getting started back then because that's around when my first son was born. And I know that kinder music was just getting started Mm. back then. What inspired you to start something like this? We had our first child, Stephanie, and, and basically David and I, my husband and I, David Llewellyn's the composer of Kinder Jazz. He, he writes all the lyrics and also all the music. 
And we're both professional musicians. We've been to college for, for music. Um, this is what we do full time. And we wanted to give our you know, children the same experience of live music. But when, when we took her to her first show, um, she was about four and a half, and she wouldn't stay in the room because it was a backing tape. You know, a drum kit. A there was no drum kit. There was a you know, drum machine, and she knew the difference, having been taken, you know, to the opera and the Sydney Symphony Orchestra and you know all the festivals. There were live bands, so she knew the difference between the real thing, and and you know the fake stuff. And and she she put her hands over her ears and just ran out the room. And I paid twenty two dollars fifty for this, you know, her <laughs> ticket. And I was thinking like, what's wrong? With <laughs> and, and everybody else was just jumping up and down, thinking this is great. But she knew, you know, better. And and, and I couldn't, I literally couldn't keep her in the room. And, and I'm, I was talking to other parents of kids, and they really hadn't. There was no live music for children at all. They and it's true. really like, you know, we thought, well, we need to do something about this, not just for our children, but their entire generation. We've, we've actually gone with kinder jazz to schools and, you know, primary schools, which is like elementary schools, and um, kids as, as old as 10, you know, we'd, we'd hold up a trumpet and say, what's this instrument? They didn't know. Oh, my gosh. They'd say guitar. Like, they didn't know what, it, what an instrument looked like. They didn't know there were different types of instruments. They just didn't know I mean, at least we've got the vocabulary for it. We we know the words. We we put pictures to those words. When we hear something on the radio, we we actually know what we're listening to. They didn't know. That's crazy, and it's so funny. I mean, I I know that it's kind of ironic that I'm bringing up this group, but so we went to we took my kids to see a Wiggles concert. Yes. Right. And it's exactly what you're talking about. Like there was it was all um, it was all taped. It was there was no band to speak of. And it's kind of weird because we had taken always taken our kids to shows to live Broadway musicals or, uh, you know, local yes. theater musicals. And they knew they wanted to be in the pit orchestra. They didn't want to be on the yes. stage. <laughs> they wanted That's to be in the right. Right? Children, so when, children are bright. Like, you know, you give them half the chance and, and they they love to learn at a really deep level. They're interested and they're curious. And the thing about kinder jazz, it's organic. You know, when you hear an instrument, when you hear a double bass or a piano or a saxophone, it's that music is coming from someone's heart and soul. Yes, absolutely. It's oh, my real. gosh. It really is. And I don't think parents realize... I don't know how to say this. I, I love what you do because the way you say it, it's organic. I don't think parents realize that when when we're la allowing child a child to play an instrument, it doesn't have to start out three blind mice. You know? Exactly. Yeah. You can just give them a piano and let them experiment with it. And half the time, what they come up with is beautiful. Really, I mean, you've hit it on nail on the head. Every we've actually put, you know, ten children in front of the band and said, "What's your favorite instrument?" And they'll ha have ten different answers. Yeah. And the wonderful thing about the piano is it's got the entire orchestra in it, all those notes. 
Yeah, some kids, we, we write music in every single key signature. And, and we'll actually, you know, because a lot of children's music is dumbed down. Oh, yeah. Because we think that, you know, three-year-olds... I, I was actually told by the head of a TV station when they heard our first album, they said, oh, this is really sophisticated. It's, it's way too complex for children for a three-year-old to listen to. And I'm thinking, no, it's not, because, you know, if you never spoke in full sentences, they w- children would never learn to speak properly. Exactly. You know, they, they need to hear it first to learn exactly. that language. And, and music is the language of your soul. You know, to deny that that language to them is, is almost like child abuse. <laughs> That's <laughs> from my <true>. perspective. <laughs> Well, the thing that's so funny to me is, so you'll take an, uh, so an expert will say that's too complex, right? Um, A a musician will say that's too complex. A child can't, you know, they can't wrap their brain around it. And yet, what do we tell parents to play for their unborn babies or their newborn babies for brain development? Classical music. It doesn't get more complex than that. Because a growing brain <laughs> hates to be bored, and and if it's if if it's just two notes repeated every eight bars ad nauseum, the brain the child's brain will actually turn off. Yeah, and you don't want any any of it turning off. You want it turned on. You know, we've got so much attention deficit in in, in our generation, and it's because everything's in three minute sound bites. We're actually, you know, training everybody to have no attention span, no memory, no, you know, appreciation of, of the moment. It's so true. And I, I absolutely adore, so this, I have to ask, why, why did you choose, I mean, because what you do, it's not just jazz, it's swing, it's blues, it's ragtime, it's all of those um, kind of forgotten eras of music why did you choose i think because i chose jazz initially because i noticed that it's with the beat as soon as it's you know that that happy beat it's just got that happiness to it and children respond instantly if if something comes on on television on an ad you know they'll they'll respond to the music because because they want to dance it's 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 the music of the 20th century, and, and jazz is, is alive. It's a thing that's living, and it absorbs different cultures. It absorbs different genres. It's got the biggest variety that, that we could introduce kids to. And, and I just recognise kids, you know, all children are, are magnificent, and we play to that magnificence. We want to give them a huge variety of sounds and, and melodies and harmonies and rhythms and... You know, we we play. You know, we've even got a song in in a Macedonian rhythm. You know, seven seven eight. Wow. Um, all all those kind of you know, kids kids don't know that it's hard. It's no, they don't. And the thing that I love so much about jazz is that it is so free form. Like yes. authentic jazz music is so free form, and we don't let kids free form anymore. <laughs> No, no, they're controlled to within an inch of their lives. They're they're micromanaged. I mean, near five year olds have got diaries. Yeah. You've got a book in play dates. You can't just turn up. <laughs> it's 
and it causes a lot of stress. You know, if if they're not free to play, children only learn when they're engaged. Mm. And and I I found that complex music engages them in a really deep way. It's it's amazing how it turns on your brain. Oh my gosh! And it, I have to say, from experience, I used to have a, a small. Uh, daycare in my house and when the kids would get really rammy it's raining outside so we can't go outside we've played with play-doh for the last 47 hours i'm totally tired of finger painting right (laughs) so right exactly you get out some pots and pans and some tin foil and a you know not many people have a washboard oddly i live in lancaster county i have a washboard (laughs) but you know you get out some crazy sounding instruments make Mm. you know whack paper combs or um uh kazoos you know you and let the kids just go Mm. kids will make amazing music together and if you want to teach kids how to share and collaborate have them play a little band together yes it's amazing we you know often there's no music there's less than 10% of primary schools in Australia and primary school goes up to year 6 6th grade which is you know 12 year olds less than 10% of primary schools in Australia have no music program really so a child can go to 12 years old and they've never heard they've never sung they've never dance they've never you know done anything it's it's amazing how how all our subjects are related to what job they can get after school it's mm-hmm. not related to educating that child there's no you know there's no school in the world that teaches every child in the school to dance <laughs> you know that, and 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 it actually would be a different world if we did you are so right you're because so everything right. is like, you know, maths and, and English are, are right at the top of the hierarchy where that's that's what we need to learn. And then there's, you know, the sciences and, um, and then right at the bottom are the arts. It's crazy. Because someone's decided that, that that's what's more important because, you know, but the world has changed, you know, since the Industrial Revolution, since the 19th century when, when schools were invented, We've we've actually had this industrial revolution where we created the middle class through jobs and and the industrialization actually created lots and lots of jobs and we were able to you know, earn money and and buy our own stuff. But this revolution that with with technology going at the rate of knots, we're actually cancelling out that middle class. The jobs are disappearing. It's true. Um, and, and, you know, the only people that are going to survive are the ones who can think for themselves creatively. And there's so, nothing so the more creative than art. Absolutely. <laughs> should be right at the top. It's so true. And right the, the thing top. that's really funny is once the kids get out of once the kids get out of college and they start going to to work in corporations, what's the first thing that we want to do? We want to put them in teaming exercises so that they can learn how to collaborate and be creative and get yes. along together. Well, guess what? If you started doing that when they were in first grade, you know, in music and mm. dance and everything else, 
It would be a total, you're right. It would be a totally different world. So we only have like two minutes left and I want parent nation oh. to, to know where to get a hold of you and to get your, your new album and all of that. So tell us how we can reach you. We've, we've got an, um, our own website called kinderjazz.com, K-I-N-D-E-R-J-A-Z-Z.com. We're on CD Baby, iTunes, Spotify, um, Amazon, um, just Google Kinderjazz. We've, we've got a Kinderjazz Facebook page, um, Twitter, at Kinderjazz. Um, we're all over the place. It, it'll be easy to find us. You can just, um, yeah, go onto iTunes and listen to the music. It's very, very different. You, it doesn't sound like children's music because it's real. Right. Uh, you know, I, I don't believe that there should be a, a genre called children's music. Music is music. And children should, should get a, you know, if, if, if you love, for instance, we loved Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong and, mm-hmm. and our kids listen to that. And, and on, along with it, you know, I was a classical pianist, so, you know, they listened to Chopin and Beethoven and Schubert, you know, um, they listen to a whole heap of stuff along with Elton John and you know, Billy Joel and Prince, you know. Mm. My kids listen to Prince and the Beach Boys and the Beatles. Um, As they, they should. Musicians. As they should, right? They, they never listen to manufactured music. And, and funny enough, when, when we... You know, when we played at the Opera House, the the moment that sticks with me is there were these five little boys. They were about four oh, years old. Oh, we only old. have 15 not... seconds left. And and they stood in front of the band and they closed their eyes right in front of the horn section and they put their hands up in the air and they with their eyes closed, they were feeling the music. Oh, see, that's what it's all about. my heart sing. <laughs> Thank you so much, Dr. Llewellyn. When we come back, we're going to be Thank talking you. to BC Sue. So stay tuned, everybody. Thank you. Absolutely. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With Baby and Toddler Instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. Do you need some new motivation to give your exercise some kick? You should consider training to run a marathon. Most people would agree, 26.2 miles is a long way to run. Yet that is what thousands of people do every year when they run a marathon. The runner's feet will slam into the hard road about 26,000 times each. Most participants do not run a marathon to win. Their reasons vary from challenging themselves, to having a goal, to just to prove that they can do it. There are 245 marathons in the United States each year. The average time for men to run a marathon is four and a half hours, and for women, 
it's a little over five hours. You may be thinking about running marathons, and my suggestion is go for it. If you decide to participate in a marathon, you will train and exercise quite a bit, and I like that. I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Parent Nation with Tara Kennedy Klein, the Internet's top talk radio show featuring real talk for real parents. Clean my house? <laughs> it's time to clean their house. You know what it means if my house is clean? I have big closets and a broken computer. Shaken and stirred up with a twist from America's family advocate, Tara Kennedy Klein. And now, back to the show. Hey, Parent Nation, welcome back to the show. Our next guest is Tracy Sue, and she is here to talk to us about raising conscious adults rather than simply good kids, which is one of my absolute pet subjects to talk about because I think that we are so focused on um, making happy children that we forget about the adults at the other end of that <laughs> that goal. And uh, so I, th- I think we're, uh, we need to get a little more in tune with what we're creating. And um, Tracy's, Tracy's uh, outlook on this is, um, what if you said yes to everything that your soul told you to do? And then talk that to your children, which I absolutely adore. Um, she's been on in the New York Times, Forbes.com, Today.com. Um, she's just all over the place. And um, I, I just love everything that she has to say. So, Tracy, I am so excited to have you here today. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. I'm great. You have... Um, you have a lot of books that you, that you have out right now. Um, basically talking about conscious parenting. And I think a lot of parents, I, you know, I, I know a lot of the parents that I talk to when I say, when I use a term like conscious parenting, they think it's something to do to your child that you do to your child. And I love that you talk about it in the light of this is something that you do for yourself first. Yes, absolutely. Because, um, we know that, parenting is about modeling how to live as a happy human being. Um, and if you are not living as a conscious person who's making conscious choices about your life and having proper balance and having a good emotional life and a good spiritual life, if that's what you're into, you're teaching your child how to be a grown-up by simply being a grown-up in front of them. Uh, so children learn from modeling. So if you're modeling how to be a conscious human being, how to be a conscious person, uh, whatever kind of person you want to be, uh, your child's going to then develop those same skills. It's amazing to me that this, to, to people like you and I, this is a very basic concept, right? Right. But the, I, I spend a lot of time online. Um, obviously I'm a little bit addicted to social media. Um, but one of the things that really stuck out for me recently was a video of a little toddler girl, right? And there's two adults sitting on the floor and they're laughing. And the one adult is actually pretending to, to beat up, to assault the other adult, pulling her hair, yelling at her, pretending to punch her. And then the little toddler, she couldn't even have been two years old, I swear, comes running over, grabs the assaulter, the, the, you know, the, the aggressor by the hair, starts smacking her and punching her. And they're laughing hysterically 
And the caption for the video says, baby, don't mess when you're messing with her mom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I mean, what's there to say about that? That's, that's kind of insane. And, um, you know, you don't want your kid to hit because they'll kick them out of kindergarten, obviously. Uh, bar brawls as an adult are not what you want for your child. So, <laughs> you know, that's definitely questionable behavior. <laughs> right? And, and then, and yet... We'll look at the videos, we'll watch the videos that are, you know, there's five of them a week now, of the teenagers beating each other up in schools. A girl just died last week, you know, oh. in, a, in a bathroom fight in a high school. We'll hear about those stories and go, where are these kids getting these insane ideas from? Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> Conscious parenting is really about modeling who you want to be and then holding your kids accountable to that value system. Um, so you want to be checking in with your kids to make sure that bullying isn't happening, uh, that they're not being a bully and take it seriously. If you start to get reports from schools about your child or reports from other parents about your child, uh, you want to take those seriously and not just defend your child as an innocent because I'm, I'm guessing that uh, the kids on those videos, this isn't the first time that their parents might have heard about aggressive behavior um, or uh, tendencies toward bullying um, or violence uh, because if it's getting that extreme, it's probably not an isolated incident. Right. Um, so, I mean, you know, and if like, it's happening in your home, I mean, the, the, that video of that toddler is case in point. And we were talking that this whole show for me is about perspective. Okay. So, so to me, it's kind of like when you bring home the puppy and the puppy is biting at your hands and you're laughing and you're playing tug of war with the puppy and you're like, Oh my God, he's so cute when he growls. And then when he's a 70 pound dog with 150 pound jaw pressure and he's biting the little kid next door, you're going, I don't know where, where he got so aggressive. I don't know where that came from. I think it's because we're not seeing what we're creating through the right lens as parents. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. I mean, obviously, they think that it's funny that the two-year-old is defending uh, her mom, right? And mm -hmm. it's super cute. And uh, I used to think that it was just adorable when my little toddler daughter was sassy, right? Mm -hmm. It was sassy then. Well, she's a teenager now, and I don't find it very adorable. Adorable, and I wish I would have, you know, put some more restrictions on that right at the beginning, right? So, you know, when you're a young parent, you might be doing some stupid things, but there are basic values that you can live by as a human being, such as violence is not appropriate, no matter what, right? <laughs> right. Like, exactly. that's not appropriate. And you can teach a toddler that violence is not appropriate, uh, just like you could teach a dog not to bite. Um, and they carry that throughout if you're consistent with that value system. Uh, we, when, uh, I, there was a guy who was talking to my son. He was telling my son, oh, I have a son that's your age. And um, he was being bullied at school. And so I told him to punch the other kid in the face. And mm -hmm. my son looks at him and he goes, well, now your kid's the bully. <laughs> right? Ding, ding, like, ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> right? So, and my, my son is, you know, nine. So it's something that he has grown up with, a consistent value system that says violence is not okay and an eye for an eye is not going to get you anywhere, right? So um, 
yeah, conscious parenting is about looking in the future and going, oh, what are the potential consequences of this 10 years, 20 years down the road, right? Right. Um, we used to have a na- neighbor who the child was a total terrorist and she just kept saying, Oh, boys like to have fun. And I'm like, that is not fun. Like 10 years down the road, I'm seeing a seriously troubled human being who is a danger to others. Right. <laughs> this, is, this is not boys will be boys. This is, you know, sociopathic behavior that you're indulging. Right. right. And, and so you want to be conscious enough that you can see, Oh, if my child, this playing with guns now what happens 10 years 20 years down the road when they're playing with guns as a teenager or a young adult um or if my child is uh hitting other kids at a at two you know what are the consequences of allowing that behavior to go on and just calling it uh kids will be kids that just happens it's a normal developmental stage right it may be a normal developmental stage but you need to put a stop to it right away or it has consequences down the line exactly if i always looked at it like if there's if it's a, if there's a stage for it then it's then there's an appropriate boundary too yes of course of course. And so many yeah. parents don't see that. You know, people used to say, oh, look at small children. They, they're they so innocent and good. And I'm like, have you met a two-year-old? They hit, they scream, they bite, they can't share. They're like horrible human beings until you teach them <laughs> how to live, right? They're not. No, they scream if they don't get what they want. Like, this is how they... They're your drunk friend at the bar. Seriously. (laughs) Yeah, but you got to put a stop to that nonsense. You can't (laughs) let that stuff continue. Or they'll be, like, totally antisocial. Their teachers will hate them and send them home, right? Like, you can't allow that that cute whatever phase they're going through to be considered cute. Like, it has to be stopped. Exactly. You can't let the puppy biting continue. No, you cannot. (laughs) (laughs) You cannot because you can give away a puppy, but it's really hard to give away a two-year-old. Yeah. People have tried that and it didn't go so well for them. No, it did not. (laughs) So as adults, you know, most, most adults are acutely aware of the fact that we have the ability to project. We have the the ability to problem solve. We have the ability to um, kind of forecast consequences down the road. But our kids, you know, they're still in their their amygdala. They're still in their you know primal brain. All they're they're worried about is eating and pooping and fighting and sleeping and and right. So, what do we tell parents? How can we how can we teach parents to guide their kids to use that internal voice that should be guiding them to make better choices? So everyone has an internal voice and every culture talks about it. So some people call it the Holy Spirit. Some people call it the conscience. Some people call it uh, the soul, right? Some people call it the still small voice within. There is a guiding mechanism that we are gifted with as human beings and probably animals have it as well that 
helps us choose things uh, so that we make our lives easier and safer, right? So even if they are a primate, for instance, there have been studies done on fear, right? And it's a pure animal instinct. Like animals can feel a storm coming before it comes. Mm -hmm. Animals can uh, sense danger and will turn away from it or go into attack mode, right? So we are gifted with the same thing. And if you teach your child to tune in to that, whatever you want to call it, I call it the soul usually. Um, If you teach your child to tune into that soul, then your child will be making consistently better choices that are good for them, right? So if your child is witnessing bullying and their inner voice is like, this is horrible, we need to do something about this, then following that voice, your child may decide to intervene or may decide to tell an adult or may decide to go to a counselor or talk to their parents about it, right? So they're witnessing something that is offensive to them. Or uh, I'll give you an example. My daughter and I, well, my kids and I, we were driving through Wyoming on a road trip and we stopped in this gas station and we went in and we were like, this place is weird. Like it was off. Like it was like, it had like the feeling of like a terrorist cell and the people (laughs) in there were looking at us like, what, how did you come into this store? And we turned around and left. And it was my daughter who said it first. She was like, this place is wrong. We got to go. And we just turned around, we left and we kept driving. But that's what I mean. Like if you continue to tell your child, Hey, listen to that voice. Your voice knows what's up. It can protect you, right? There could have been danger in that gas station, but we're not going to stick around and look for evidence. We're just getting out of there because we Mm -hmm. trust that voice. Um, and it will keep kids safe, but also as they grow into adults, they'll learn to rely on this internal guidance system that has their best interest at heart. They'll be less likely to be swayed by peer pressure. They'll be less likely to make choices as an adult that just go with the flow, like just whatever is expected of them. Uh, they will make choices about what careers really serve them and excite them and make them passionate instead of what people around them are saying they should be doing. Um, it will serve them in so many ways. Dating, spouses, like if you, you know, if your kid is relying on that voice and trusting it, uh, they will be be able to make better choices about who date instead of just looking at the package they'll listen to that voice about whether this person is a good person for them to be dating uh, and marrying right so uh, and even mm-hmm. parenting you know as well as I do that when you grow up and you have a baby there's this human being that only screams and you don't know what it's going for so you're relying on that intuition that mother's intuition that inner voice tremendously and mothers who are used to relying on that and trusting that as kids as teenagers as adults have a much easier time parenting than a woman who's not even sure what mother's intuition is because she's never relied on that inner voice. Um, so those are some of the things that I that I think that just that inner voice piece, because you're not going to be there to tell them what to do all the time, not even when they go to kindergarten. Like they have to start making some choices and they can be serious choices about friendships and bullying and, you know, cussing and, you know, whatever it is that they're doing, even in elementary school, um, you can't make those choices for them and you can't protect them from them, but you can give them a skill and that's to listen to their own inner voice and their own guiding principles so that that carries them through their entire life. I love that. 
That's so true. And I, I think that we, we've become a society that wants to protect so much that we have taken away our children's ability to, to navigate their own guidance system. And so I really appreciate that you're putting that message out there for Parent Nation because it's so important. Tracy, how can Parent Nation get a hold of you? How well, I have it? a website. It's tracysue.com. And let me spell that. It's T-R-A-C-E-E-S-I-O-U-X dot com. Um, and I also have Facebook pages and um, my books are on Amazon. Awesome. Thank you so much. There's Because there's so Thank much valuable information out there. And I really, really want people to be able to find all of these amazing guest experts that we bring on to this show, Parent Nation, to share with you every single week. And so make sure that you go to our Facebook page and join it and get in on the conversation. We post things there about the guests that are on the show and how you can find them and how you can reach them. And we also post information about programs and events that we have coming up, like we're going to be starting our Unplug for Families program back in the summer and starting in uh, uh, May 11th and May 25th, we're going to have some free calls for you, Parent Nation, on a program that we're starting called Raising the Parenting Bar. And uh, it's not just about cocktails, it's about parenting, but if you want to have one when you join us, that's cool too. So join the Facebook page, go to my website, check things out, send us your questions, your ideas for other guests. And until next week, everybody, keep playing. with Tara Kennedy Klein. Want more real talk for real parents? Seriously, Parent Nation, not every decision in parenting has to contain a hidden message or a life lesson. Sometimes it just has to pass mom's little barometer of, is this going to shut them up? Connect with Tara online at tarakennedykline.com. Until next time, remember this. Parent Nation, why do we keep calling this the hardest job on the planet? Why don't we just appreciate the gift that we're given and try calling